chapter and closing out that chapter next week beyond into chapter 18 getting closer and closer Jesus is on his last journey from north crossing Samaria and heading for the place in which he will become the sacrifice of God's people Today, our text comes from Luke 17, verse 20 through 37. The title of the message this morning is The Comings of the Kingdom. That's an extra S, (laughs) comings of the kingdom. In other words, there's more than one, as you will see. Our scripture reading, again, Luke 17, verse 20 through 37. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or There, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to the disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look there, or look here, do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. There were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking and buying and selling and planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed, one will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together and one will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, where Lord? He said to them, Where the corpse is, there 
the vultures will gather. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's ask his blessing upon it. Father, now will you help us understand this passage? We're a long way distant from it into those days when you were upon this earth. But once again, we need to understand your truth and your word and not be confused. Father, give us the guidance of the Holy Spirit that we might be led into truth that glorifies you. And we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. The nation of Israel 2,000 years ago had long looked for God to establish the kingdom of God on earth, which in their understanding mostly meant that the bad guys were going to get their comeuppance and the good guys Israel, the Jewish people, were going to become ascendant. That was the kingdom of God they were looking for. Jesus had spoken quite a bit already in Luke and in the other gospel writers about the kingdom. But the Pharisees were not seeing the signs that they were expecting. In other words, things weren't turning out as they were counting on. It seemed like the more and more they did, they just got further under the boot of Rome. Nothing seemed to be going in a good direction. They thought by now, with all their goodness that they had provided God, he would surely have blessed them. And gotten rid of these nasty Gentile tyrants, the Roman Empire. Now, Jesus knew the Pharisees were looking for a political leader who would rescue them from this disdainful dominance of Rome. He told them that they should look. Not for signs. That's what they were looking for, what they wanted. But he said, don't look for signs because the kingdom of God is already in your midst. He's saying, it's already here. As they, no doubt, slack-jawed, wondered at what he meant by that. You see, Jesus has two important points to make to us today about those days. First, the kingdom is inseparably tied to who? Verse 20, verse 21. The king. Second, he wants us to encourage 
his disciples. That's in 22 through 37. Those are the two sections of this passage. And that he is trying to encourage his disciples because difficult days Jesus knew and understood were going to come for himself and for his followers, for his disciples. And he knew that there would come eventually a time of great judgment would fall upon those who resist God's kingdom purposes. The surprising thing is the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those guys didn't think that was going to be them. They thought that was what was going to happen to the nasty Romans and all those other Gentiles. So you see, the disciples' job, Jesus said, it's going to get rough. Batten down the hatches, essentially. The disciples' job is to prepare and to wait and to occupy until he comes. Now, here's our outline for today. Title, The Comings of the Kingdom. The outline, the kingdom has, past tense, come. Secondly, the kingdom will, future, come. But future to who at this point? That's the interesting question. Future to them and that day or future to some other time? And then thirdly, the kingdom is, is coming. Let's dig in. The kingdom has come. Where do we find that in the text? Two verses, 20, 21. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in what? Your midst. Now, what is that? What is being said here? You see, Jesus had, as I said already, spoken a lot about the kingdom. But the Pharisees were not seeing the signs that they were anticipating. So, they decided they would ask the rabbi, upstart rabbi, Jesus. And Jesus tells them, it is not something that they can see. It's not something that they can recognize. Whatever the kingdom of God is, Jesus said, what you're looking for is not here. And Jesus tells them, it is not something you can see like stars that fall from heaven. If you see a shooting star, you can see that. And you say, ah, there's a sign. It is not something about which people will be able to say, there it is, or over there it is. No, you see, the kingdom is here because the king was there. The king, kingdom, is where the king is, and that is where Jesus was. 
2,000 years ago at his first coming. You see, they were looking for other stuff. Some of the stuff I've already mentioned. But Jesus says, you're looking at him, dudes. I am that king. I am the king of the kingdom. It's mine. I control it. I have power over it. It has been given to me by my father. You see, the kingdom is here because Jesus the king is here. Jesus is here referring to what we call his first present coming. There are many forms of comings that the Old and New Testament use that are not talking about the first and present coming or the second coming, final coming. There are comings other, but that's not within the focus of our text here now. Jesus is referring to his first and present coming. Now Luke account consists of two different sets of material. The first speaks of what sometimes theologians call the already now of the kingdom. And that's what you find in that verse, those two verses, chapter 20 and 21. But then there's a second, that's the already now, that's where Jesus was then, that's right there as he's standing in front of them, that is one form But the second speaks of a not yet, of something yet not revealed, or future aspect of the kingdom. And Jesus is dealing with that in this passage. But he's not sharing it, as we're going to see, to the Pharisees. He's sharing this only with his disciples. So hang in there. I'm just kind of giving you two different sections here. The second speaks of the not yet or future aspects of the kingdom. And that goes from 22 all the way to 37. And the two sets of teaching are connected by the word come or is coming. Those are the things that kind of pull it together. So, we already have discovered Jesus is the king. The king is here, so the kingdom has come already. Secondly, the kingdom will come, according to verses 22 and 37 through 37. In verse 22, there's a change of audience. I alluded to just a while ago, remember? It's no longer the Pharisees. Jesus is now holding shop with his own, with his disciples. Verse 20 through 21 had been directed to the Pharisees, but now in 22 through 37, the teaching is for the disciples. Now, what does this portion of the passage mean? That long portion from 22 to 37. What exactly is that talking about? Well, I can tell you, and you, I don't have to tell you, many of you know, there's a lot of different ideas about that. There's a lot of people 
that have very different and almost get in fight with you over it. Uh, if it. If you don't line up with their version of what that is, um, they're going to get uh, sometimes a little irritated. So what is going on here? What now in 22 through 37, when Jesus pulls in his own? Frankly, here's what I will say. I don't think 22 through 37 means, I don't think it means what many Christians think it means. I don't think it means what a lot of wonderful, godly, Christ-loving people believe it means. So no disparaging their sincerity, but we've got to look at the book. We've got to look at the, what God has given us and understand the time frame and the world in which and the how the expressions were used if we're going to understand the scriptures better. A lot of people pull things out and throw them somewhere else and leave that situation completely void. They want to go on to the good stuff. Well, everybody wants to when you're in a bad spot. And Jesus was saying to them, things are going to get rough, boys. They're going to get rough for me and for you and for my people for a while. But that won't, that will not remain. You see, what does this portion mean? Instead, the people in our text, a lot of people think that basically there are people that are going to one day just be flying out of here and going up in the air and one's here and one's disappearing. And they're thinking that's some kind of a, what some people call a rapture. But instead... In our text, if you read the text carefully and look at all the surrounding things about it, the people in our text are the ones in danger of being taken up by hostile forces to their doom. In other words, it's not a a happy going up. The people that are being talked about here are those that are in peril, in danger of being destroyed and liquidated from the earth. You see, this is not a picture of a rapture, yet to be in an undesignated time in the future, but rather a prophesied warning of judgment on Jerusalem and its temple. And Jesus has said this multiple times already, and he's not through. It's all over in Mark, it's in 13, and and Matthew 24, 25. Luke, this is one section of it, he has another section to come. This is huge. Jesus is trying to prepare them that judgment is coming on the household of God. The people that were supposed to be the lamp 
light are going to get their lamps punched out. You see, it will, according to Jesus, carry with it signs that will allow, though, Christians to escape. The Jewish people that do not receive and believe Jesus' message, they are the ones that are in peril of being snatched up and taken by foreign forces. It was a great, great cataclysmic, terrible destruction in Jerusalem in 70 AD. Many of you know about that. Some of you might want to read, but it's terribly gruesome what happened in that time. And Jesus was warning against that event. You see, it's not the picture, like I said, it, it will, according to Jesus, carry signs. And those things are going to be seen, but guess who's not going to get caught up in that? This power coming upon Jerusalem and the temple that is going to destroy it in AD 70, that power is going to kill millions of people. But you know who never got lost in this? That weren't ever a victim of this? You know who they were? They were the Christians. Because Jesus told them, here's how you escape this. Here's what you do and what you don't do if you would like to get out of this alive. Listen to me, my children, I'm talking to you now. That's what this whole thing is about. We get all kind of convoluted notions about what that means. It's pretty straightforward. Listen to, listen to some of these, these things. Like so many of Jesus' warnings in Luke already, we've seen them. This passage refers to a coming time when enemy armies will invade and wreak sudden destruction. The word that the very last word of this text means vultures. Do you know that in that time, the same word for a vulture we got. We have better uh, understanding now. They're different, but a vulture and an eagle in that time was pretty much considered the same thing. And there's a cryptic reference here of the Roman legions and their eagle as their imperial symbol. And when Jesus says where the vultures are. Look there. He's basically saying that's when the armies of Rome are going to come and crush Jerusalem and its temple. It was foretold by our Savior many and multiple times. You see, this makes sense of Jesus' warning. This is, he's warning. But he's warning his children, his disciples, 
how to not get caught up in this terrible, awful, tragic mess on the part of those who do not believe and receive the gospel, the good news. When the legions arrive, the best thing you can do is get out of town and run for the hills. Don't even think about going back and getting something. Did you hear all that language? Like if you're up there, well, no, don't go down and get it. Get out. They are on top. Stay on top of the roof and get out. And the Christians did. They escaped on rooftops. Listen to this, verse 31. And on that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. Likewise, let one who is in the field not turn back. This is not talking about something way out in the future. That was talking about a day to come within that generation. And Jesus was protecting his sheep, those that were following him. You see, people were taken and others were left, refers to those who didn't get out in time. And they were snatched here and there. But you know who didn't? Who didn't? Christians. Not one single Christian was caught up in this Holocaust. Not one. Why? Because Jesus told them with such detail, with such clarity, that they would know how to be protected so that they could go on with the new kingdom of God. The expression, no longer in the old, now in the new. You see, Furthermore, when this happens, there won't be any doubt about what was happening. Lightning suddenly lighting up the dark sky. People wonder, like, well, how is that going to fit in the future, thousands of years in the future? It's not talking about something then. It's saying, this is going to be not, not anything. You know, I wonder if the Romans are really out there. I don't know that they are. Well, I need a sign. No, no. He's saying, boom. They're surrounded, their armies. It's, it, it is, if you've ever seen the portraits and pictures, depictions of that terrible, terrible year, plus, it was actually several years, it was all leading up to it. It's just an incredibly tragic situation. You see, what has any of this got to do with the Son of Man? Did you hear that? What is that talking about? Who is that? Well, Jesus called himself the Son of Man, but do you know what? He didn't win the first one to do that. You ever heard of a guy named Daniel? And a prophecy in Daniel. That's what this is. Jesus is calling up an older prophecy of Daniel. This seems to be a reference to the days when in the prophecy of Daniel 7, the one like the Son of Man, will be vindicated by God, but not until after his suffering. Now, let me see. Who do you think that could be? Who would fit that bill? Jesus, the only one. 
He is the true son of man. He is the one that is going to be vindicated by God. He is going to be he is going to suffer and die and be killed. But God is going to raise him up and make him king of kings and lord of lords. Do you see that is what is Jesus is foretelling here. Using though now apocalyptic literature and language, Jesus warns of a dreadful destruction coming upon his contemporaries. For why? Their failure to receive Christ, to receive Jesus and believe his gospel. That's why they will perish. Because they did not believe. Read the same thing in John's gospel, first chapter. You see, that is what the synoptic gospel writers were talking about. They spoke of the coming kingdom. The day that will come when the new those who are part of the new onset of the kingdom of God that is inaugurated by Jesus and his resurrection. You see, the end in view here is not the end of all time. A lot of people think that it is. That's what this is about. It's not. It doesn't fit any number of those things. There's all kinds of holes in that. The end of the view is the end in view is not the end of all time, but the end of the Jewish age. The age of the Gentiles is now about to come when Jesus rises from the dead and the Holy Spirit is given and then the world going out into all of the world preaching the gospel and proclaiming the gospel. You see, that's the picture here. Now, a lot of you are right now thinking, this doesn't make any sense. I've never heard, heard this before. Joe, you haven't told us anything at all about the great second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And praise God, he is coming the second time, finally. But that's not what this text is talking about. It's the stuff I've been telling you. The other's coming. And praise God that it is. You see, the kingdom is coming. And it is coming still. After 2,000 years. And it will still keep coming until finally the king comes for the last and final time. You see, the warnings of Jesus came true in AD 70, sadly, for those who did not heed him. But the promise of the kingdom comes and remains. The promise of the kingdom to come, one still out in the future, one still before us that we haven't yet reached, that promise has been made to God's people also. Wherever they're from, whether they're Jews or Gentiles, from wherever they come, as long as they come through Christ. 
the promise of the kingdom to come remains. And there are various sections of the epistles that speak of Jesus' second and final coming. Let me just give you one example. I'll mention two and I'll give you, just read one. 2 Peter 3, 11 through 13 and 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 17. Read that later uh, if, if you, in your Bible. But listen, this is how Peter says it. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people Ought we you to be in, in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting, there's that word, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. That day is still coming. It's out there yet to come in its fullness. Because of which, now he says, here's what's happening. Because of which, there's going to be a do-over. <laughs> the whole world. It's going to come together. Heaven and earth are going to come together. In which the heavens, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved. And the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. Heaven and earth become one. But, according to his promise... We are waiting for what? A new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Everything I've told you about today, that's still out there right now. This passage. So there are the New Testament, particularly the epistles, speak a lot about that. But you don't get that confused with the other writers, the of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're giving you the, what you need to know for that circumstance. So, what about us? We still await Jesus' second and final return. The kingdom of Jesus Christ will continue, and it has been continuing and it will advance. If you were here several months ago when uh, Rick Canada was here telling you about what God is doing all over the world in places you would not believe, that's the kingdom of God coming. But there is a final and ultimate coming. The kingdom of Jesus Christ will continue to advance. But when he will come, a second time and final has not been revealed to you and me. And there's no sign for that. A lot of people are running around looking for signs for something that there are none. He will come as he promised, but in his and his father's time. You see, the faithful are called then to do what? Live on the alert. Ready for his arrival until he comes. Listen to R.C. Sproul on this. As we look about God's world and see the play not yet through, we must focus on the ending. Paul tells us 
We are even now seated in heavenly. We're already positionally there. We're not physically there yet, but we're already positionally there. Seated in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus. And our citizenship is in heaven. We should then even here now sing with choirs of angels. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. Who was and who is to come. He is coming. And he will come in all his strength. And in all his glory. Even so come Lord Jesus. Maranatha. Amen. Oh Father. Thank you. For your comings. For sending Jesus. And your first. His first coming. To this world. To bring salvation. To us who still so desperately need it. Father thank you. That he came also. To make the way for his ultimate and final kingdom. And in that process we still find ourselves. Lord give us grace. Give us alertness. Give us readiness. For your arrival until you come. And Lord hasten the day. So that you will be glorified. And our Lord Jesus will be exalted. King of kings and Lord of lords. In Jesus' name we pray.